0: Welcome to Smashing Game Time. We are usually three brothers that go through gaming's back catalog of yesteryear. I am your host Nick. I am solo today because we have a special interview with solo indie developer Pat Naum to talk about his new game, The Master's People, which came out on July 28th. But before we get into that, we are a Trident Network podcast. Go check out our siblings; they are all awesome. Listen to Smashing Game Time anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, you name it, we're there. We're also available for eyeballs on YouTube, so head on over there and see what we look like. As we like to say here at Smashing Game Time, fuck the algorithm, tell a friend. Word of mouth is king with us. So this interview with Pat Naum. Uh, first of all, thank you to Pat. Really appreciate him taking the time to come over and talk to us about his game. We spoke about his seven-year development cycle and hand-drawing the game himself. We talked about marketing the game and how life has been since it's gone viral on multiple social media uh, fronts. And then also we talked about some themes within the Master's Pupil, so maybe a little light on spoilers, so just a heads up on that if you're wanting to go in unspoiled. And then we also talked about what's next for Pat and what he plans on doing with his next game and how he hopes he doesn't take seven years. So again, thank you to Pat for agreeing to sit down and talk with us. And here's the interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, my guest today. He had his debut game come out at the end of July, right? July. It was July 31st. That's right. That's right. July yeah. 31st. The master's pupil. Today's guest is Pat Naum. Hi. Hey, Pat. Hey, Pat is celebrating the release. I, I'd say it was a pretty successful release, right? From the outside
1: looking in, at least it looks successful. Way bigger than I was expecting. So, yeah, successful for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so I, I mean, I became aware of the game. I was scrolling Reddit one day, and I want to say it was one of the TikTok or one of the gaming subreddits that had it on there. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was your video where I'm hand-drawing the game, and it's you and the person going back and forth.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and you're like, it took seven years, and then it cuts to like a B- <laughs> yeah. b-roll of the game. Did you foresee that taking off that taking off? Or like did it take off in ways you never imagined?
1: Like Yeah, there- exactly right. The ways I never imagined. Because I think that wasn't the first one. There was actually three posts that went viral. And so the first one was a repost that I did of me kind of like I had I had shot this footage for some other gamey meme thing back in the day as I started yeah like seven years ago when I started and it's just me kind of like like this like staring blankly at the screen and then it says you know trying to hand paint a game and then seven years later and you know I grew my beard out my hair was a bit longer and I was just like I did the exact same pose and that was the one that got like you know um a million views or something within like a week or so and then the next week another one hit you know the same Thursday another post went viral And then the one that you're talking about, that one went, uh, that was the third week and it went to, I think it's at 6 million now on TikTok and like 8 million on Instagram views. And I was not expecting that at all. (laughs) Like I was expecting this game. I was looking at like around like 2000, maybe 3000 wish lists by the time I got to launch, you know, it's like, well, I'm posting every day on the socials, you know, I'm trying to do some Reddit posts. Um. So there was this sense of just like, well, I'll get this game out and I'll, I'm doing the best that I can and I can I can release this and that's it. Um, but these posts hit and then suddenly just before launch it had reached uh, 20,000 wish lists. And for like a little indie game like this, it's way bigger than I was anticipating, <laughs> just so much bigger. Um, so there was a, a sense of, you know, like, what's the line like, you know, luck um, favors the fortunate or the favors the prepared mind or something like that. You know, it's that idea of like being trying to work the system and, and doing the best that you can and being prepared for it. But I I don't think I could even be prepared for, <laughs> for what happened. So that, it's been really, really, really good, really fun. Do you remember where you were when you realized
0: that those videos were taking off? Were you like walking, walking your dog or were you just like, you know, having breakfast and you pulled up the numbers just to check them out of habit, and you're like, oh
1: crap. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, so I was posting every day. And so every day at like, and because I'm in Australia, you know, it's a good time to post for America is like 8 a.m. here. So every day I was like w- waking up and I'd like literally, I'd like set up my post that I had set up like the day before and post it, you know, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And I was doing that repeatedly. And so, you know, there's all these things like, oh, you've got to make sure you reply to comments within the first hour, and you've got to do like X, Y, and Z. So I was doing these kind of things, making sure that I was ticking all the boxes that I had heard of, right? And then, you know, so some would 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 spike, especially early on. You know, you'd get like sometimes maybe, especially TikTok is a bit weird. So I'd get like a thousand views in like uh, in the first hour, and I was like, I'd be like, oh wow! And then it would just fizzle off and nothing would happen. Like okay. And then you know, when this day came along within the first 10 minutes or something, it had hit a thousand views and then it just kept going. It didn't seem to kind of slow down or or drop It just kept going. And then it went, you know, so I'm responding to people and I'm liking messages and I'm trying to see every comment and whatnot. And I was trying to keep that up for like quite some time. But then the third one, when it, it hit a million within the day. So, there was this sense of scale that was just really bizarre that I couldn't like comprehend. At one point I, I was working on like, you know, I was fixing up bugs or I was like uh, setting up more content, that kind of thing. And then at one point I went back to the phone and it took me half an hour to go through all the comments and messages. And it was just so bizarre because I had only been away from my phone for an hour and it took me half an hour to reply to everyone. And I was just like, (laughs) oh, this scale is just not going to work. I can't can't get this in my brain. So yeah, but it was this sense of just every time you look at your phone, it just exploded. There was just all this. I had to change all my like notification settings and this kind of thing, because obviously, it's not a bad problem to have. It's what you want. But it is this sense of just being just bamboozled continuously. So it wasn't necessarily one point. It was just all the time, you know, it's a, it it's a marketing dream time.
0: come true. You want, exactly, you, want the one, exactly. you want the one clip to go viral and you had the mix of the three between all the social medias. And exactly, so at exactly. that point, you're just like, all right, now everyone's got to get the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, it's just been wild. So speaking of, speaking of the game, so The Master's Pupil, it is yep. about Claude Monet and his, uh, his life work and kind of follows his career path along at 12, 12 levels, right?
1: Yep. 12 levels. 12, yeah. So it's 12 a, levels. Yeah. It's a 2d puzzle game hand painted set inside Claude Monet's eyeball. So you kind of have this like abstract world that is his iris, but then also not really scientific and not really kind of auto, uh, like biographical. And you have this strange kind of world in between. that's this like abstract landscape full of puzzles and experiences and his artworks as well.
0: It took me way too long to realize all the green, like, vines and everything was his iris. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once I figured it out, I was like, oh,
1: you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Because the game isn't... It's not necessarily about... um, It doesn't tell you all these things. It's all abstract. You know, there's no language. There's no text. You just experience the game and the puzzles. And if anything, the game has kind of been this, like... uh, Uh, what's how to call it like the story of it is not necessarily you don't play the game for the story you play the game for for an experience and the story is like this backdrop you know Claude Monet's life because it's set across his his whole life you know the start is essentially his birth and then moving towards you know the end game which I won't entirely spoil but maybe a little later um (laughs) but it's basically you know it, it is this uh it is a, it's an abstract world so you're not kind of experiencing there's no one saying like and now claude monet is 42 and he is going through a divorce it's no, it's like there's nothing like that so you just have to kind of experience it and it's this backdrop so i think you know there's a lot of his paintings in it which speak a lot about his life and about his his you know art and and getting to see them and experience them is is one thing so i think that can do some talking as well as there's this like soundscape and a and a score to kind of tell you what's going on, but then also give a kind of an emotional like backbone. Um, but yeah, it, generally speaking, you do just have to experience it, and like you're saying, there's there's no one telling you what's happening; you just <laughs> just have a crack.
0: So was it? So you've spent seven years of your life working on this. Was it always Monet or? Was it somebody else, and then Monet creeped in later on? What was it about Monet that you were
1: like, yes, this is this is the person for this game? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it didn't start necessarily with with Claude Monet because originally I saw these um, these uh, close up photography, like macro photography of human eyes. And there was this, I'm trying to get on the video a little bit, but that won't help for audio podcasts. Um, <laughs> so it, it was on an angle. So it wasn't the iris. So there was these shots of an iris up close like this, and you could see all the detail. But then there was these other ones that were on an angle where you could see this like valley kind of shape of the iris because it kind of dipped in. And in the middle is a is a is this deep, dark pit of the pupil. Mm. And so it looked like this like fascinating landscape. And at the time, this was around like braid and limbo. And I thought well, that would be a great setting for a game and maybe like a 2D, you know, platformer kind of game, Uh, a puzzle game, this kind of interesting landscape that you're experiencing that can be partly to do with the, you know, the outside world of what this person is seeing, but partly to do with their, like, internal kind of what's happening with them. So I was kind of fascinated at this world and then I thought, well, it would be great if it started on the edge of their started on the edge and went towards the pupil. And that was also over the course of someone's life, you know, birth. And then they're going towards this like dark, deep pit of, you know, what would be kind of a good metaphor for like death. So there's this kind of landscape and a kind of time span. Um, And I was originally thinking maybe someone, it could be a fictional person and I could write their story, maybe set them over the modern era, so they would be, you know, maybe born in World War One, experienced World War II, and then kind of, you know, the revolutions through the '60s, and then, you know, up until like the computer era, uh, era, and then internet. But you know, having the end game be this kind of idea about death, you know, having aiming towards this kind of concept, and this is I'm in my like early 20s at this point. And I just felt wrong being, like, trying to write, a, like, an old man's story, you know? It just didn't feel kind of correct to me. Um, so I wanted to make it part of my experience. Um, so originally I had this idea of having, like, the big bad of the game be uh, macular degeneration. So my grandfather had macular degeneration, and it's basically a disease that makes you go blind over time. Um... And when I looked into it, it had nothing to do with the iris of the eyeball. It had to, it sat right at the back of the iris. So I was kind of like, rats. That's, a, <laughs> that's a, I lost my know, angle. Yeah, yeah, I lost my <laughs> angle. Um, but it did give me thinking about other diseases that could work for this kind of thing. Um, and I thought of cataracts, and I looked into the cataracts, and they kind of sit above the iris, and they are kind of in the lens there. Um, and there's this buildup of, like, you know, misty like calcium or something that builds in the eye um and I did a a bachelor of creative arts so I studied kind of painters and, and and modern art as well and I remember that uh Monet had cataracts and so these kind of elements started to clicking together so game in an eye over someone's life the big bad being cataracts and I could base it over Monet's life and then I could have the excuse to paint the whole thing as well so I could have this kind of interesting textural landscape that's all painted and I can interact with his paintings. Um, so these elements, yeah, just started layering on top of each other. And for me, it was this, um, it was an aha moment of like, ah, oh, these things, they all link together. And then as soon as I started looking into more, into Monet's life, it began to work because he was suddenly very, an interesting character, you know, he had all these like, what to me looked like levels of his life, different stages that were quite abstract and different. Um, And then, and then it's Monet, you know, he's this kind of strange artist that I've said it a few times, but I don't think anyone looks at a Monet and says gross, you know, like he's like, (laughs) he's, he's fundamentally, he has fundamentally beautiful art. You know, I think it's not like, you know, Dali or the, like, surrealists who do all this weird stuff. So you kind of like, well, I like tigers more than I like dripping clocks or, you know, like this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Monet just seems to make beautiful landscapes, expertly kind of coloured, and they look just interesting and fascinating. And they have to do with paint and the texture of paint and the abstraction of paint. Um, but they don't have to push anything more than that. They are just what you see and what you get. You don't have to like learn about Monet to understand his paintings. You don't have to have a degree to understand his paintings. You just can kind of see them and go, wow, (laughs) 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 you know, so to speak. It's that it's that basic, I think.
0: Wow. Uh, So you you obviously had you obviously had some background in studying Monet a little bit, Mm. but in researching for the game, Did you find out anything you didn't know before that you're like,
1: well, to quote you, wow. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of wow moments. Um, (laughs) It was, it was this constant, uh, he was, and because that's the thing, right? Every time I learned more something, uh, something more about him, it was just this really interesting life, you know, he uh, went to war at like nineteen twenty. Uh, and then got medically discharged for typhoid, that which almost killed him, and he had to kind of go back and live home for like a year or so while he he was on the mend. Then he like really quickly married someone. They had a couple of kids. As he was like becoming a painter, and his father didn't like that, so there was just there's just this drama that that happened constantly. You know, he ended up like he lost two of his wives. So he he's that first early love, she died only like eight years, something later. And then he ended up meeting this other woman who left, you know, her husband for him. And then she ended up dying another like 15 years later than that. So there was this kind of constant, like big life events happening to him. He also moved around all this, all this time. But I think the outlying thing for me, and it was a way of like dragging it into my, um, experiences and getting it more into my, um, what I felt and what I could I could write or I could kind of experience is that he was just an obsessive artist. He was such a obsessive creator. And I have that obsessiveness of, like, wanting to create things. And that's why I've spent, you know, seven years making this because for me it's the process. It, it is the doing that I quite like. So looking up on him, I found this kind of, like, especially early on, like, trying to, like, match my – idea of what I was doing with what he was doing of like really obsessively making a lot of work and kind of really obsessed with the next project and and kind of getting right into it and so yeah I think that was the most interesting thing seeing how how obsessed he was with making art and then for that for him that boiled down to being obsessed with color and being obsessed with uh you know how color works and how you see it and how people can experience it basically
0: and I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know too much about Monet. And after playing a after playing game, I was like, okay, Wikipedia, here we come. <laughs> and so I, 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 did, I did some light Wikipediaing, and then just, just seeing like, I think it was on his headstone, something about no black paint. And so then seeing that and then realizing the mechanic in the game where you can't use
1: black paint at all. I was like, "Oh my
0: god." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I did not know. I have not seen that. That is news to me. That that, that that's literally on his headstone, no black paint.
0: It was it, something in Wikipedia mentioned something about no black paint.
1: Ah, oh, that's wonderful.
0: And, and so I saw that and I was like,
1: "Oh my god,
0: Pat really thought this out."
1: <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I had I had um studied that and and learned that yeah, he he never used black paint. He was really really careful when mixing primary colors. And so like that's the mechanics of the game is that kind of experience. And so, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to deal with these colors and how he works with them as well. And so, yeah, it was trying to tie it in as much, but yeah, I didn't realize I, it was on his headstone. That's amazing. I'm gonna find a link to that and I'll send it to you. Yeah, thank you, that's <laughs> fantastic. I
0: just hope Wikipedia didn't make me look like a fool. <laughs> 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 so you mentioned you mentioned, working on this for seven years and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, seven years, very long time could have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Uh, Were there any specific lows that stand out that you'd be willing to share that, you know, you know, darkest, darkest moment of the, uh, before the dawn where you thought like, Oh man, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't in the cards.
1: Look, there was a lot, I think, Uh, you know, seven years is a really long time because I think, something that's not really talked about a lot with indie games is how someone spent the time doing it. So oh, the guy, the name of him is blanking. The guy that did um, Stardew Valley, you know? So he, oh, took, he that, took three uh, or four
0: concerned, years. Concerned, concerned Yes. Eight,
1: concerned like, eight. Right. Yeah. So he, it took him like three or four years to make Stardew Valley. And he basically, I think his partner was a lawyer and he said to her like, can I make this game? And you look after us while I make this game. And obviously that's just a very sweet, lovely thing for a couple to do and to to work that out. But it also comes with the privilege of being a lawyer and having that kind of money and being in an environment where you can do that. And so, you know, there is this kind of idea of like how, and I've been asked it a lot, how, how, how did you do this? (laughs) Like, how did you (laughs) spend seven years? And so, But, you know, the first three years were basically like uh, part-time or not even part-time, casual work. It was like some weekends, you know, or some weekend days, a a lot of evenings, um, just chipping away on this kind of idea. And then I made this decision of like, which was a sense, it was a high of being like, it was a high moment of saying like, I really want to do this. I'd made a kind of demo of the game, a vertical slice, and I'd showed people around. They really liked it. I really liked it. I wanted to just go and do this game development process. And so, yeah, it was this high moment of going, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go part-time. I'm going to reduce my hours. And because I was working freelance, again, I had the privilege of being able to choose how how many hours a day I worked. Um, So I could just take the pay cut and just work less hours and then work more on my game. Um, And then, you know, only a year ago, uh or so, I got the screen Australia grant, so it was a games funding grant um run by screen australia, which is a a uh, an arts body in Australia that usually fund you know t v and and movies um but before that, I had kind of worked for like three years part time you know this is the start of my thirties, and so I just kind of i looked at all my friends that were like making a lot of money <laughs> and just being like what am I doing? Like, this is like, I just worked part time to like make this little toy. And, you know, you definitely have that self doubt. I don't think there's any way around having that self doubt and having those low moments. Um, But, you know, then I applied for the grant and I got the grant, which helped a lot. And it kind of, I didn't think made me entirely financially neutral, but it definitely helped the last, you know, this last year or so um, and enabled me to go fully, fully full time. Um, and be able to do it. But, and so that was definitely a high moment. So there was this, these kind of like dramatic ups and downs through it. But I think for me, the, like I said before, it's about the work and I just really liked doing the work, you know, actually (laughs) building and creating the game because that for me is the really interesting thing. And to be kind of frank and honest about it, it's, the marketing was probably the lowest moment because I'd finished the game. I knew I had to get it out at a certain time. I started developing all these marketing tricks and like setting up all this marketing. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like, it's not what I wanted to be doing. I want to be making the next game or I want to be like polishing off the game before, not the in-between bit of like admin and, you know, (laughs) and marketing. (laughs) And so I think that was the lowest point of just being like, and it wasn't getting anywhere, you know, it was months at this point of like no game, not working on the game and just working on uh, marketing. And I got to the point where I was like, I can make a really good game, I, something that I'm proud of, something that I think looks good and works well and is, is something that I'm, yeah, I'm something that I'm proud of, I can do that. But if I can't get people to actually see that it exists, then what's the point, you know, like it's it's, it's not being able to sell it properly. And so that's kind of this, like, harsh reality that I went through. And I basically came to terms with it of being like, okay, this game's going to come out to this amount of people, and that's fine. So be it. I can just go back to part-time and make the next one, and all will be good. Um, But then... uh, Everything went viral, so I went from like just as I came to terms of it, then this post went through the roof, and I was just suddenly like, "Oh, okay, now I have to re-come to terms with everything and get used to it." So, yes, very dramatic ups and downs, basically. Did you have family hitting you up?
0: Hey, Pat, I, I saw you on the TikTok or I saw you on the Instagram. <laughs>
1: yeah, I had. You know, I go to this this same cafe uh, uh, quite often, and the the server there was like oh, dude, I saw your TikTok the other day. And I was like, I know that guy. He comes to the cafe. And I was like, yeah, it's really mind-blowing. And then a lot of people being like saving the TikTok and then showing the, someone that they know. And then them going like, oh, yeah, that's our mate. Like, that's Pat. He, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing of like, it's very bizarre. Very, very bizarre.
0: So we, we talked about some aha moments between the marketing and the... Uh... Finding, finding a way to focus the game on Monet. Was there anything gameplay wise or anything throughout the development that was an aha moment that might have changed the way you were approaching the development? Maybe something in the art or like something, maybe maybe the way puzzles
1: were working or something like that? Um, yeah, it's funny that you say aha moment because, yeah, I, I talked about it about something else before, but that's the term I've been using a lot for the way I uh, design puzzles because. Yeah, I think one of my biggest aha moments was learning about aha moments and about how, like, when you're... Because, you know, I wanted to make a puzzle game fundamentally and I had made other games, other prototypes set inside an eyeball and this kind of concepts. um, Like, for example, one of them was, like, this first-person, like, jumping game. It's, like, about speed and, like, um, you know, jumping over these, like procedurally generated vines and it was interesting and fun but I couldn't find a way of like structuring a story around that but coming off you know Braid and Limbo those two games were like such a influence in that they were just these like linear experience and you just chunk you know chunks of puzzles and so that Mm -hmm. to me not knowing anything about game design and trying to learn how to design games that to me was a bit easier to kind of swallow in a way of like, of trying to understand because suddenly I could, uh, just make puzzles at a time and make them, uh, tutorialize all of the mechanics and this kind of thing. So I was trying to learn how to do that. And that then comes down to those aha moments of you're trying to set up a moment of, you know, uh, what's the old Greek word they are like, um, oh, I can't think of it. But, uh, you know, you're getting this moment of just suddenly you understand Eureka. That's what I was thinking of, you know, like Eureka, uh, I've gotten this, you know, I've gotten this puzzle. And so you're trying to set up these things. And I think that's the, that's the moment that I understood puzzles as of like, I'm dealing with like frustration. I'm using frustration as a tool because too much frustration, they become you rage quit not enough frustration. And it's boring but you've also got to like try and peak it in a certain way. So someone gets frustrated, and then they they go, "Oh, but what about this switch?" And then they go and click it, and then something happens, and they're like, "Oh, aha! If I switch that one, then this will go white, and then I can go in here, and suddenly I'm in the right color, and I can, you know, finish the um, finish the the puzzle, and just have this kind of fantastic moment. And so it is this kind of sense of um yeah learning these tricks and how to puzzle design that was one of those kind of weird moments because you're getting something that you love and then pulling it apart and seeing how it works so then you can recreate it uh, <laughs> and it's, it's funny
0: it's funny you bring up the the hard, some of the harder puzzles in the game i won't i won't get to it right now i'll i'll come back to that later but sure sure uh, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Limbo, you mentioned Braid, yeah. You can you can definitely see the influence that both of those titles have on it, especially yeah. uh, with the uh, with the addition having all the paintings in there pop. Like I think you put a few together and a few of them together throughout the um, throughout the campaign, which really reminded really reminded me of Braid at uh, those midpoints. Yeah. Were there any other games as you were going through the last seven years that really left their mark on you and ended up leaving their mark on the Master's pupil?
1: Oh, definitely. I think it's definitely uh, uh, journey. Journey to me is like I don't know the best game. I don't know if that's but it's possible to say, <laughs> but like you know, journey is like a masterpiece. It is such a phenomenal game to me. Um, in in the way that it there's and and what it left in the master's pupil was that idea of like an abstract world uh non like a linear story but experiencing a world so you're kind of you're jumping into this environment and just experiencing as you go and how it lays out certain things and so although braid and limbo were kind of like i think i look at the master's pupil as being like halfway in between braid and limbo it's being this kind of your excuse me Oh. Um, <laughs> um, just dying quietly over here. Um, yeah, I, I see the Masters people as being halfway in between Braid and Limbo. So you know, you've got this kind of like interesting mechanics of Braid, um, but some of the kind of physicsy things of Limbo. Um, but then Limbo is this kind of like on-running story that you experience. You know, just experiencing it, uh, and that's what I was kind of aiming for. And I wasn't sure of how to make this game. And then when I played Journey, I I sat down, basically. My friend said, oh, I think you'll like this game. Here, and hand me the controller. And I just sat down, old school, like, like I was a kid again, in the middle of the floor, and I was just playing the game like this. And I finished it all. And I was like... I turned to him, because like his girlfriend had come over, and so we were all just kind of hanging out. And I was just playing it. And then I finished it, and I said to him, oh, man, that was fantastic. Like, you know... um, that was great. And he goes, yeah, I know. I could tell you've been sitting there for like two and a half hours, just <laughs> not doing anything. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I just <laughs> came in and I hogged your living room. Um, but it was, it just, it's so absorbing and it's such a, it's, there's this prettiness to it, but there's also this abstractness to it. Um, I, yeah, I could go on and on about that game, but it is just a, it is truly a must piece. and it just had such an effect on, On the Masters people, but on me uh, and my understanding of what games are, basically, or what they could be, you know, Uh, yeah, such a beautiful game.
0: Well, I think those PS3, like, indies from that era take the backseat a lot to what Xbox Arcade was doing, but PS3 had, like, they had Journey, they had Flower, I think Fat Mm -hmm. Princess was in there as well, Mm -hmm. so they they had some really good indies that were really beautiful and, like, were doing different things from what xbox arcade or whatever it was called back then yeah yeah uh, yeah are you uh what are you playing right now is there anything that you're are you are you
1: like 80 hours deep into the gate three right now <laughs> what, what you got going uh, on over there i didn't want to start it i was like so unsure because i've still got so much like i'm in a bit of bug you know bug maintenance and making sure that the game's okay and still doing some marketing and i was like if i jump into Baldur's gate now it'll just absorb everything that i have um so i uh, i'm holding off um, but I have been playing because I've kept up a, an on-running, you know, games night with my mates um, and mm-hmm. we've just, we've jumped between all sorts of kind of games, everything from like, you know, Minecraft and like Fortnite to like Valheim and all these kind of multiplayer games. But we've just started um, Sons of the Forest and it is just, a, it's such a weird game because we played the first one. That was like the first game that we started playing. Mm. Uh, during COVID, we kind of, you know, these are like two of my oldest friends and we, we kind of got together and started um, playing these games on a Thursday night. And so we, we, um, we played The Forest and it was such an interesting game. And, like, I'm such a scaredy cat. I cannot watch, like, horror movies. I'm so bad at them. Um, you know, I had nightmares after Hereditary that were so bad that I chewed my cheek. I literally, like, had, like, wounds in my mouth after watching that, that movie. Um, and so then I was like, oh, and they were like, we should play Sons of the Forest. And I was like, okay, maybe, but it might be too spooky. Um, and then we played it and it's just such a fantastic game. And then, so when the sequel came out, it's, been, it's took taken us a while because we were finishing off other games.
0: <laughs>
1: and then we finally come around it, and we've jumped in and we've played like two or three sessions now. And it is just, you know when the game hits and it just hooks inside your brain and suddenly the way you're, you start thinking and you're like, you'll drift off and then you're just thinking about like running around in a forest or like building something with logs or like, you know, it's just such a, yeah, it hooked me, hooked me. Just right, I think. And
0: those games are tough because it not only has to hook you, it has to
1: hook everyone you're playing with. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing we've been finding, right? Because the three of us are slightly different, but we're all, you know, we, we went to high school together, so it's like we're quite similar people, but just what we want, we want to play the same game, we want to play together, but what we want in a game is this kind of varied experience. So, you know, we have, there's three of us, and so, like, I want to go, like, exploring, and I want to, like, try building stuff, um, and then a mate of mine just wants to kind of mess around and do weird stuff and like build and kind of make strange stuff. And then another mate just loves fishing. You know, like the, he's like, he's like, whenever we start a new game, he's like, fellas, fellas, I can fish. It's fine. We can play this game because I get to fish, um, you know, and then he'll be beca- he becomes a like what's cool, you know, like um, like the camp mum. So he'll just be like I can just Im- imagine him with like a a little like um <laughs> uh, apron on, you know, cooking everything and like going getting some fishing and planting carrots and that kind of thing. So <laughs> you guys are right. dying in Fortnite, he's over <laughs> in the corner fishing yeah, 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 fishing fishing. Yeah, 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 Fishing. Again and again and yeah. again. <laughs> when he found when he found the the fishing rods in, in in Fortnite, he's like, "Guys, we need to find a corner so we we're not going to get attacked so I can go fishing." <laughs> okay that's that's part of it
0: um i know there's perfect is. little corner that's not in storm We need yeah to go over here. yeah there's we need probably to go, some good yeah. weapons and some yeah. good fishing yes, yes. <laughs>
1: um but it is weird right because that's i think that's the beauty of a good um multiplayer game is that you can kind of cater for everyone but you still have this kind of central experience um yeah it's hard to do it's hard to do it's very hard to do but it's it's
0: a nice distraction after the seven years of working on <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. game by yourself exactly just to get a little deeper into the haystack. I hate myself for that. Transition. <laughs> uh, so the game it it's it feels like it's split off into three. So you have the early life of Monet. He's finding yep. he's finding his voice. He's finding a new way to express his art. Uh, and then you have the middle section where you feel you feel there's this comfort. And I'm going to try to avoid spoilers as much as I can. Dude, that's okay. Uh, there's this middle section where he finds his comfort. And I think it's, I think that's really capped off at the end of that middle section in the haystack level where it's kind of a breath of fresh air. It's this, uh, hey and again this is just from my wikipedia research so he finds comfort in this haystack series i think it was 25 different pieces that he yeah, painted i think so yeah that were so just many. uh you know like a, a study on light and it was just these hay fields and the light all in these different locations and so that level plays out. it's just you walking through all these different paintings yeah just a montage of the
1: yeah a montage of haystacks
0: yeah uh, so that first of all i, I want to congratulate you on that level I think that level is amazing as someone you, I don't dude. paint the most painting I've done is those wine sipping wine classes yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, I'm a writer and so you know when you find something that works for you and you're wanting to do it it doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel like you're working it feels like you're sitting there doing something that you're meant to do
1: yeah and so that
0: was that was my read on the level that was him finding what he wanted to do and just having this comfort in it Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. just to bounce off of that, you get into the later half <laughs> and it kind of, it takes a dark turn. Yeah. It takes a dark turn. And I, I kind of read that as a, uh, you know, the levels get darker, the puzzles get harder. And i kind of took that as, you know, his, his sight, his sight going and, um, exactly right. You exactly know, just right. the, the things that were coming easy to him, no longer coming yeah. easy. Um, all that said, you know, there, there are going to be people who play this game who have no idea who claude monet is or what he went through Mm. uh is there anything like what what do you want folks to take away from this game when they step away from it
1: uh well thank you about the haste acting because it it is one of those uh sequences in the game that I wanted to do for myself... Well, the you know, the whole game is made for me. Like, it, the whole game is made for... Like, it is designed around games that I want to be playing. You know, like, I, I'm I the first playtester, so that's always the first key thing. But there are these elements in the game that I kept in because I just really liked them, and I really wanted them in there. So it, I don't know if you remember, because it's, it's only, like, a moment, but there's this spiral thing that happens after you... It's after the... um the sunflower after level after the so sun the level
0: where you're pushing the sun around I, yes yeah. I, I recall
1: that um, and then you there's this like spiral like just a level like the ground basically all the vines do this like spiral motion thing hmm. and I, I just wanted to see it and so I built it and I liked it and I just left it in there because <laughs> I was like I just want to do that and so it was one of these moments but level 10 is, is another one of those moments because it is like a yeah it's just this haystack montage basically Um, and you're just running through and you're right it was this is this moment in Monet's life where he was just mastering it like he had just become this kind of obsessive and he had found fame and he was just living his best life and what his best life was was painting haystacks repeatedly like he just spent like (laughs) two years like you know oh it's it's just spring okay I'm gonna go out and do another haystacks you know like it's Nighttime, I'll try another haystack. It's early morning, I'll try another haystack. Like it was. It was this obsessive thing about color. And so I really wanted to create that and have that kind of moment because you know, a little the little bit of a spoiler is that, like I said, there's cataracts in the game and they're the end game. And so I wanted to divide the game into you know, the iris and then the cataract and have these as kind of different things. Um, and have it kind of line up with his life as well. So there was that sense. But I think, because I have been asked of like, what, what do you want players to get out of it? And it's kind of a question I hadn't really considered because it's not something that I was thinking about when I was playing it. I was, if anything, it is those aha moments we discussed, you know, having, getting people to just, have fun with the puzzles and have fun with the game because that's like, that's what a puzzle game is, you know, is experience the puzzles and and getting that moment of eureka and, and being able to um, test your brain and and experience that. Um, And then I think the layer on top of that, as I've started to think more about this question is just about how, think about the artwork, think about the art, think about the way these puzzles work with the art Um, because I don't think a lot of people really experience, like you're saying, there's a bit of paint and sip maybe, um, uh, you know, these kind of events where you get to experience painting again. But I don't think a lot of people make art because they did it as a kid and they have fun with it. But then as soon as you like kick into that moment of like self-doubt, you just stop making art and you never think about it again. Well, you might be into art, but then you're not necessarily making it. And so... I wanted to kind of have this experience that is more about the process of making art, because that's what I got into it. Like I was saying, I, I don't, I couldn't write the story of an old man. Um, so I found Claude Monet and I, and I adapted his story in this weird, you know, abstract game. Um, (laughs) uh, and, but what I found that I could relate to him was, was the idea of making art and, being frustrated as you do with the puzzles and trying to come up with this like parallel of like puzzle games and making art. And that's why at the end, you, or well, will not, you know, after level four or so you're getting basically a level per, you're getting a painting per puzzle. You do something hard, you get the puzzle. And then later on, you're like literally pushing chunks of the paintings around and they're part of the puzzle. And then you're literally building the the paintings. And so yeah. I think there's an inherent frustration with making art, especially with making games, because (laughs) learning how to code is very difficult. Um, But, you know, I, I think that's what I'm, my biggest takeaway. And I didn't necessarily, that's been told to me. That's not something that I was thinking of when I made it, but someone said it and I thought that's just, that's the best interpretation that I could dream of. You know, it's like someone kind of gets this idea about the way that art works and what art feels like and what it kind of – and what painting is like because that to me is, is a fantastic takeaway. You know, that's fantastic. And, like, I had a family reach out to me, this mother, who said that they played the game as a group because it's not a multiplayer game, but you can – because it's easy to play, you can just mm-hmm. play it with a group and you can all, like, work out the puzzle together. Um, so they played it as a family and then it inspired them to um, – paint in the afternoon because oh, what that. I yeah right it's just so heartwarming and so lovely because <laughs> it's like it literally cuz I call them craft afternoons like me and my girlfriend you know we love a craft afternoon is crafting in the afternoon it is just fantastic and if i can generate that if i can cr- create that you know someone else oh that is the best thing ever like such a reward like that's so rewarding uh yeah fantastic
0: fantastic i love that I, so i have a follow up to that question is do you see the master pupil as your haystacks
1: or do you think you're still working toward your haystacks I'm definitely still working towards my haystacks (laughs) because like I said you know he like he's the master uh Claude (laughs) Monet is the master um and so it was really interesting actually looking at his artwork too because and trying to mimic his artwork and seeing because he gets pretty good at some point right he's he's famous and he's fantastic but then he just gets even better as he goes along. And the artwork that he starts making later on is just, especially because it's, it is about abstraction. It's about color. And so, and you see the way he's like, just a few little dots of paint on something and it's just unreal. But when he got to his his haystacks, he was, he was just this like master. He was so obsessive and so fantastic. And so I think I'm, I think I'm back at level one or two, (laughs) you know, like, I don't think I'm at level 10, you know? So I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I can get to the point of Haystacks. Like part of what making this game was about was to, uh, you know, get enough capital so I can actually make another game and not take me seven years. Um, (laughs) and I can start getting into the, the game development world because I fell in love with the process. And so, that's another reason that I I am glad that I chose Monet because he's such a he was so obsessed with the process and and I'm just becoming more and more obsessed with game development and game design and game art it's all something that I'm obsessed with so yeah I I'm definitely not at Haystacks level but if I'm anywhere on the spectrum I'm excited because if I can get to Haystacks then I'm I'm gonna be over the moon you know
0: so so speaking of finding out what's next and working towards that. Uh, are there any, what are the big lessons from the seven year development cycle that you'll be taking into
1: that next game? Uh, there's quite a lot and it you, and and they've come around to the way, not necessarily how I make a game, but how games are made in the industry, because there is a sense when you're in India of like, when I first you know, the Braid and Limbo moment and the idea of a game set in an eye was this moment of, like, I could make a game, you know? I could physically do this because I'd come from art and I'd come through film, like, I went through film school and I hadn't studied um, uh, game development, but I thought I could do it, you know? So that was this moment of, like, I I, I could make that happen. But the lessons I've learned over that is that games work in this in the industry that they're you know you, you, to make a game and just throw it into the pool is i don't think the smartest way of making a game i think it's a, a good way of making your first little prototypes and and your first games but to dedicate 7 years to a game in the way that i have is not, the, is not the best way of making games. It's not. And because all the advice is to make little games and put them out. And even though I made a smaller game, it's not a first game size. It's definitely <laughs> a little too big. And so um, I have just kind of gotten more into the way the game industry works and how how to pitch to a publisher, what a publisher does, you know because originally I was like, I don't want a publisher taking my money that I hard earned on this game. I'm going to self publish it. And then later on was like, I really maybe should get a publisher because (laughs) yes, they take a lot of money, but they also spend a lot of money on marketing, which costs a lot. And so, and like I said earlier, it's like, if you don't have eyeballs, if people don't know the game exists, then how do you sell the game? Um, (laughs) and so then how will people play it? So it is that kind of concept. Um, but it's also something you know. I, I I started off with a linear game, and uh, ways of making it more interesting, making it hand painted, and trying to come up with a interesting or unique feel. Um, but then ten years later, after I came up with those original ideas, linear games are no longer popular. They're not like it's linear and and two D side scrolling games are not as popular as they once were. So you can't mainly because so many people took Brayden Limbo and and made a game. And like, so it's kind of oversaturated as well. And I think more than anything, I am just luck in the draw that I, it's come out in a certain way that it did take me so long. So there's a story behind that. Uh, it's painted. So it looks unusual, which was a choice, but it's also came at a time about AI and, you know, so there's this conversation now about like handmade versus computer made and, and how those, where the varying kind of, you know, gradient is and how that works. So I'm lucky in a way that this game came out to this audience and it could hit. And I'm lucky that it went viral. So there's these things that I'm like, I'm hooking onto and making sure that I, I use them correctly. Um, but it is luck. And so I want to make sure that the next game has those lessons inbuilt in it. it it's, it's broader, it's bigger, it's... Uh, more playable as a game rather than a playable experience, like a line- linear game is, you know, that's what I'm kind of more excited in. Games like, you know, Sons of the Forest, uh, the Forest, you know, Valheim, these games that are kind of, they're a world that you inhabit and they are, uh, um, they're systems based and they are just more of a, a game and a a toy in a lot of ways. But then you have these kind of meta narratives that over the top of them rather than a, a b c d linear narrative you know um yeah
0: and i love i love that you took the the seven-year path you know most folks would look at that and just be like you know they would just be laying on the ground and not want to talk about it but you're like no no we're we're gonna use this for marketing and i again like you said it's a perfect storm because i mean just this past february you had the uh double fine guys you know, basically put out that 39 part documentary about the development of psychonauts too. So mm-hmm. it definitely seems like there's a, a push as of late to like people want to see inside baseball. People want to know yeah. what's going on. Like, yeah, why did this take so long? What's going on at this point of the development? What's going yeah. on with the art over here? So I, I, yeah. I do think you, you're a hundred percent, you're 110% right. You hit the nail <laughs> on the head. That it is. Yeah. You found a perfect storm and it worked out perfectly. And I'm, Happy for you guys. Oh, <laughs> happy thank for you. you. Thank I, I you so you guys, much. But you, I'm happy for you that, that <laughs> happened. Uh, I know, I know, we're coming close to the end of the time. Uh, it's way too early for this question, but do you have game number two cooking in your head already?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I um, I think part of what made, uh, I, I'm using success in the wrong way, but part of what made the master of pupil a success in my mind, like. What I like about the story and what made me want to spend time on it was that I I layered these concepts over and over again and I made sure that the story for the game was really fleshed out because there's nothing like if you're a writer then you then you know there's nothing like getting halfway through a story and then realizing that there's this other concept that you could have had from the very beginning that was layered on and inbuilt into the way the whole thing works that would have just made it so much more rich and so much more interesting and so I think a long gestation period of (laughs) writing and concepts and writing the concepts and layering those concepts, I find that incredibly valuable. So I've always written a lot of notes about just random ideas that I've had. And I wanted to make sure that the next game had that kind of same love of like, letting my subconscious brain create a lot of do the heavy lifting and and connect things together. And as I learned more about the industry and as I learned more about game design, I could get these lessons and then help the, the uh, concepts of the game along. So, you know, I, I think I first came up with the the next game maybe three years ago, four years ago. And so I, I, and then that, and that idea has been adapted and changed and manipulated over time because I've just been layering different concepts on um, as well as like, how I'm going to achieve it, because if I do intend to make a kind of broader, you know, more systems based game that's open world, how do I do that as an indie dev? And how do I do that as a kind of just mechanically, like how are those systems going to work? And so, yeah, I've had a, I've had it cooking for a while and I'm, and I'm very excited to go into it. You know, um, <laughs> it's just this like I've been marketing for so long and the and I've been bug fixing for so long. I've been doing very little like of that creative in-depth game development and so i'm very excited to get into that very excited that's awesome
0: last last question uh what would your advice be to someone who you know they've got their day job they don't think they can ever make a game but they want to make a game what would your advice be to those people
1: uh enjoy the work enjoy the work because if you want to make a game the sake of making a game you're gonna have a bad time (laughs) because (laughs) uh because it takes a long time it is very boring occasionally um and it's very frustrating uh and if you're thinking okay i really like overwatch i'm gonna make overwatch my version of overwatch because i want to play with like these mechanics and i want to play it you're never going to have that experience because if you craft something you're going to know inherently the tricks of how it works, why it works, Mm -hmm. or you're going to be just like constantly trying to balance things. Like in the Overwatch example, you're you're never going to play a character and not think, whoa, should that be slightly stronger or should this be whatever? You know, you're trying to, you're going to be a game developer always. You can't get around that. So there is that... uh, yeah, you're never going to be able to play the game that you make, you know. I can't I know all the puzzle solves, so I can never play the game the master's pupil as someone else. So instead, you have to find the joy in actually crafting the end product. So and that helps because it is long and it is frustrating, enjoying the sitting down, typing on a computer, actively making the game. If you're not enjoying that process, then don't do it that's the advice that i have and if you really want to be it and you're enjoying parts of it learn to enjoy the other bits find the satisfaction in 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 completing puzzles of your that you are setting up so like how do i get this to function and then working out the code to do that because there is a sense of puzzle there is a sense of eureka those aha moments of achieving these goals that you set yourself um because I don't think I could have lasted seven years without enjoying the work. You know, If you don't enjoy, I've heard it, I've heard it with writers as well. You know, if you're sitting there typing away and you just hate every second that you're typing writing, like, why are you doing this then? What are you, you doing? Know, yeah. What are you doing? Like enjoy the process, because it is fundamental to the way it all works. You have to spend a lot of time. You can't half-ass it. You can't, you know, like, uh, find a cheat to making a game, as much as these you know AI tools are useful and they save time, they're never going to build the game for you. You still have to be the person that builds it and be uh, invested and love it because, like I said before, I was the first audience member of my game and I had to make this game something that I loved, um, but I knew inherently that I was never going to be able to play it properly. Um, I had to make sure that... Yeah, I enjoyed the process. That's that's the fundamentals of it for sure. pros Yeah, the process has to be the fun part. Yeah, <laughs>
0: you, yeah. You've, you've already by that time,
1: by the time the game's done, you've already played it what a couple thousand times. At least, at least <laughs> hours and hours and hours of of testing and of like tweaking certain like, just jumps. You know, can I jump to here? Testing <laughs> <Just think> that, <laughs> tweaking little bits and jumping like it is just it's the the. The specific nature of game design is it will burn you out on the game and even though i'm very proud of it and i really like it i'm 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 finished now i'm finished now with this game you know and i can kind of see that and accept that and yeah it's not something that i'm going to experience but it is it was such a joy to make that's what that's my takeaway from it for sure
0: well pat i want to congratulate you on a beautiful fun game uh, it's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun in playing thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, congrats on the launch. Congrats on it. Doing well for you. And uh, we can't wait to see
1: what you do next. We're really excited for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man. It's really lovely to, to chat. This is great. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for making time for us. And People can find The Master's Pupil on Steam, and it's also on Switch,
1: correct? That's right. That's right, yeah. And there's the themasterspupil.com. Awesome. That'll link you to any socials that you want to follow, the Discord, there's speedrunners, we didn't get into that, but the speedrunners doing stuff and it's just weird and phenomenal. They're just magic people. And so, yeah, if you wanna get involved, come and say hi. Um, and I'd just love to hear what people think about it. it is, it's fantastic, it really is. Thanks for hanging out with us, Matt. Thank you, see ya.